You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Foundation Radio is brought to you by 10th Ward Barbershop. Serving the historic 10th Ward in downtown Lawrenceville, 10th Ward Barbershop is a full-service barbershop offering quality haircuts, beard trims, and hot shaves. Adam gets his hair and beard trimmed by the owner of the shop, Ryan Kane, and he loves the laser point precision cuts and lineup he provides to him and countless other satisfied customers. But you don't have to take Adam's word for it. WWE superstars Corey Graves and The Fiend Bray Wyatt frequent 10th Ward for all their hair and beard trimming needs. Right now, all all cuts and trims are by appointment only. So head over to their website at 10thwardbarbershop.com and book your appointment now with Kane, Jordan, and the rest of the team at 10th Ward Barbershop. That's 10thwardbarbershop.com. And we thank them for supporting the podcast. Foundation Radio is brought to you by The Dugout. The Dugout provides custom quality apparel at an affordable price. Modern style mixed with classic designs, you'll find retro t-shirts brought into the 21st century. Adam has several of his favorite t-shirts in rotation from the team at The Dugout, including customized Dudley Boys, Prince and the Revolution, and the Notorious B.I.G. t-shirts. Right now, if you purchase your items through their Etsy site and use promo code FOUNDATION, you'll receive 15% off your entire order. That's right, 15% off your entire order. Follow them on Instagram at the dugout brand follow the link on their etsy shop and use your promo code foundation for 15 percent off your entire order the dugout custom quality apparel at an affordable price world welcome to foundation radio my name is adam bernard thank you so much for joining me today i am joined by two of pro wrestling's biggest stars right now they are the mission pro wrestling tag team champions robin and charlotte the renegade twins how are you both today thank you so much for joining me today on this lovely Hi, evening. Adam. Hey. What's up? how you doing it's so great to be here thank you for having us absolutely i want to give a quick shout out to uh, our friend our mutual friend duke bennett from duke loves wrestling for linking yes. us up together i'm really excited um, so typically in the first part of every conversation I have with anyone that comes on the show, um, tell me about your falling in love with wrestling. Tell me initially how that happened and tell me, <laughs> go forward from there. Um, so it's commonly known that I was into wrestling before Charlotte was. Um, me and my dad started watching wrestling, I would say around late 16, early 17, um, we were, I was super late on the curve, <laughs> not what, uh, like most wrestlers, their story is I, I grew up wanting to be this wrestler, not me and Charlotte. <laughs> um, I wanted to be a nurse in the Navy and I'm not exactly sure what Charlotte wanted to do. What did you want to do? So, um, for me, while they were watching wrestling and falling in love with wrestling, I was at college falling in love with softball and, um, just playing my heart out. When I came home after I decided I didn't want to play anymore, uh, dad sat down with me when I think it was 2018 yeah, SummerSlam. And um, we sat down. My dad was like, come watch this with me. Come watch this pay-per-view. I was like, dad, it's wrestling. That's, that's fake. And he was like, it's not fake. Just watch it. Maybe you'll like it. So I sat down and that was the fastest three hours of my life. The cage match between Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy. Oof. I can tell you the exact moment I fell in love when right. Randy Orton put that screwdriver through Jeff Hardy's ear and twisted. Oh, oh that was it for me. <laughs> that was it. I was like, I'm hooked. I love this. So Every, um, That's amazing. Ever, yeah. I mean, ever since then, we kind of fell in love with wrestling. Um, Charlotte and I, I went to a few WWE shows before Charlotte did, but um, once Charlotte really got into it, she started traveling with me and my dad a lot to these shows and one day we went to an NXT live show um, and outside of the show, there was a person handing out flyers and me and Charlotte that same night were just joking about how easy it would have been if we were wrestlers. <laughs> we got a flyer to wrestling school that night. <laughs> that night, the women's match who was on the card was Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. Whoa. And we looked at those women and said, we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so, so we tried it and um, quickly realized it wasn't that easy. But we fell in love with it the second that we stepped foot in the ring. 
And it's kind of been like the rest is history. But like we said, our story isn't the traditional, we wanted to do this since we were little kids story. Right. We didn't realize that we had this big passion for wrestling until we got into wrestling. That's incredible. Now, I understand you're both star athletes, though. I know you mentioned that you played softball. How much of that passion and that drive sort of help you dive into and, and apply that to pro wrestling? All of it, I would say. Yeah, all of it. <laughs> yeah, our dad taught us and our mom, too, growing up that anything worth working, like anything worth having is worth working hard for. Um, and I believe that very strongly, um, especially in wrestling. If you really want it, you have to work hard for it. And I think that there have been a couple moments when Robin and I have both slipped up and thought, oh, this is easy enough. We're doing fine. But in reality, like we're not working quite hard enough. And I think in the business, if you're not working hard enough, you will definitely someone or something will let you know. And we definitely had our wake up call. Oh, yeah. where we were like, hey, bud, you're not doing what you got to do. You, you got to pick up your pick up your game. Yeah, now- there's definitely been a lot of. Um, I would say like even the coaching aspect, the fact that we can, um, we have a coach that is willing to look at us in our face, whether or not it's going to hurt our feelings or not, tell us brashly how we should act and react and behave. Um, I feel like that works because again, we, our dad was our coach growing up. He didn't mind looking at us and yelling at us on the field or saying some things that might hurt our feelings because that was our dad. And at the end of the night, it's okay. Um, So we were very brought up, like, just with a lot of critiques on us and knowing that, like, no matter what, and like Charlotte said, our parents drilled into our brains that you can't do anything half-heartedly. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it to your full extent. Even if it happens to be something that you don't want to do, do it while you're there the best you possibly can. Because then at the end of the day, no one can tell you that you didn't try your hardest that you weren't good at your job because you didn't put your money, your time and your effort in. At the end of the day, you weren't good at your job just because you weren't good at your job or you just didn't like your job. But at the end of the day, it's not because you didn't put in your effort. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. I, and I, and I, I, I always, I always go back to those things when I have conversations with people who are very successful, there always seems to be this level of support somewhere, something from their parents or this important figure in their life. And it sounds like your mom and dad, I know they spent a lot of time coming to your games and then they now go to your wrestling matches. Tell me about what it's like for you to, to, to have that level of support and be able to push you and motivate you uh, to be the best as, as, as where you are. Um, so since we were young, our parents always told us like family is everything at the end of the day, when all your friends say, Hey, screw you. Um, I'm not for you anymore. Your parents, your sisters, your brothers are always going to be there for you having your back. We don't always get along. We don't always agree with each other, but at the end of the day, this is my sister. (laughs) That's my mom. Yeah. When she needs me, I'll be there when I need her. I know she'll be there. So yeah, uh, growing up, I think our being able to go to our parents and say, Hey, and be so open with them about everything and not, I, we, we treated our parents more as best friends growing up. They were someone I could talk to. And, um, I, I knew that I could go to and say, Hey, I need some serious advice with no judgment. And they could give that to me. And I think, um, the no judgment part is a really big part in this because, um, it's, I know what they're saying is coming from a place of love and not a place of hate. Not a place of, hey, you, I'm upset with you right now. You don't look the way you're supposed to look. I'm only saying that to hurt your feelings. It's not that. It's, hey, Charlotte, maybe let's get on your stuff a little bit because you need to tone up your abs or you need to get make your arms look better. And it's a genuine care for me as a worker and me as a person. It's not, um, it's not anything malicious, which I think I also, I also feel like we get that a lot from our coaches. Um, mm-hmm. Like I've said, we, um, I don't know if I've said this in this podcast, but we attend the Nightmare Factory. Uh, okay. We've been here since before it was a Nightmare Factory. Before there was an AEW, we were here when it was one fall, fa- one, one fall Power Factory. And um, like I said, our coaches have always held us to a, an accountability, um, especially QT Marshall. He's always, always put us on this higher level of expectations. expectations. He expects us to exceed to a certain way. And his support necessarily isn't necessarily coming to like coming to us and telling us how good we did. His support is him coming to us and telling us, Hey, this is what you need to do. Um, and this is how you need to fix it. 
because our coach, if he didn't, if he didn't support us and didn't believe in us, he wouldn't do those things. He just wouldn't waste his time. <laughs> so like that kind of thing, um, just in general with our coaches and our family, at the end of the day, we have so many people holding us accountable, accountable that like the support is outrageous. I listed off a few. There's also Thunder Rosa mm. who has held us extremely accountable ccw everyone back there they hold us extremely accountable and it's just because they know that we can and we're capable or if we can't now we will be capable in the future and they all just kind of love and support us and give us like all this energy to just bring ourselves up and i i feel like we wouldn't have those things if it wasn't for the school and the people we decide to put ourselves around Absolutely. I think that's the most important part of it is to have a team around you and to have that support system because at the end of the day, you can, I do the same thing. I can look at myself and be like, yep, you're the best at this. But then I always have that thing in the back of my head and I always have people like Duke saying, push harder, move harder. You can do this, try this next time. And I think that's made me a lot more successful, uh, you know, in the long run. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about AEW because I both know, I know that you both have been on AEW recently. Um, tell me a little bit more about that experience and how exciting that must be uh, to be a part of that world now. Uh, tell me more about that. It was amazing. At least for me, I had a great time. My very first time down there was super nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned Thunder Rosa, but she was my first match there. Um, so grateful. It was with Thunder. <laughs> so grateful. <laughs> um, she took care of me. And um, she just, I don't know, I, I went to her after the match and I told her that I felt like if it was anybody else up there, I would have just crapped the bed and had such a hard time with it. And it had nothing to do with I didn't think I was capable or I didn't have enough confidence in myself. I just knew that there's so many eyes on you at that point in time. It was my first time ever. Everybody's looking at you when it's your first time on the show because they want to know if they can bring you back. So like my first match there and I'm like, Everyone is watching. Everyone is watching. Everybody with a big name is watching yep. me. Um, Dustin Rhodes, before the match, came up to me. <laughs> and he grabs me by the shoulders and he goes, he shakes me a little bit and he says, are you nervous? And I said, no, sir, I'm not nervous. And he said, you just lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was oh, like, yeah, funny. you're right, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. That's great. Now, I know, um, Charlotte, you fought Nyla Rose. Is that correct? Yeah. And what was that yes. experience like? And, okay. Probably the least, like the most opposite experience than you could ever think. Like most people would be like, oh God, I'm about to go get my ass whooped by Nyla Rose. <laughs> I was like, holy crap, I'm about to get my ass whooped by Nyla Rose. <laughs> and I was so excited. And then I got to talk to Nyla and she's such a sweetheart. I love her to death. And I told her, I was like, I will gladly take any ass open you lay on me, man. <laughs> I will do it. I don't care. She Just give nice it to person. me, man. And she That's was like, awesome. okay. And I remember calling the match and um, she was calling some stuff. And then I throw out an idea of like something she could give me because obviously I'm not getting much in. I'm way smaller than her. It doesn't make sense. Um, and she goes, oh yeah, we'll just finish the match at the end. Um, when I lift your head up and I was like, okay. And I told her, I was like, no, I want you to pick me up for your power bomb. Like I told her to give me the power bomb and I was like, I want it. I want you to give it to me. I want to, it was the best bump I've ever taken in my life. It was the wow. safest bump I've ever taken. It was a really uplifting experience. Now my match with Ty Conti, it was uplifting, but I was so nervous. I was so nervous. Uh, so much more nervous than I was with Nyla. Um, I was so nervous. In fact, I'm standing backstage. Vicky walks up to me. Ethan Page walks up to me. I have MJF walking past and they all stop and they look at me and they go, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. And Ethan Page looks, he's like, kid, you're about to shit your pants. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, no, I'm totally fine. He's like, your face does not say you're fine. Right. So I was just like, it was as nerve wracking as it was. It was, um, it was such an, a positive experience. I enjoyed every moment of it. That's incredible. I love hearing stories like that. I, it's always those first time jitters, I'm sure, are probably just incredibly nerve wracking. Um, oh. One other thing I wanted to mention before we sort of get to talk about about you as as individuals and not the wrestlers, you just also recently won the CCW Tag Team Championships as well. So you are now double champions. So first, yes. let me say congratulations. Uh, tell you. me, <laughs> I always like to talk about representation when it comes to pro wrestling and just media in general. Um, and it, there's been this huge push recently for, you know, women's wrestling and being this more inclusive world. 
how does it feel for both of you to be able to say like, yes, we are prominent, you know, not just women's champions, but also wrestlers in this world. And now we're double champions. Tell me a little bit more about how that feels for both of you. I don't view it as I don't think Robin does either as we're prominent female wrestlers. (laughs) Well, I mean, you're part of the conversation, though. I mean, let's be honest, like you're part of the conversation. That's an honor for us. That's not even something that we even think about, like that we are part of the conversation because like we do see our fans on Twitter. We see the support that we get, but we don't think it's as many people as it really is realistically. Um, And so we probably think we're further down than the world thinks we are. (laughs) Yes, Like we, and it it comes back to those high expectations that the people around us uh, that train us and our family holds for us because we hold ourselves to those same high expectations. Um, So where people feel like we're making these leaps and bounds I feel like we're making leaps and bounds, but I don't feel like they're as large as everybody's saying they are. Right. I feel like Robin, because I, I feel like I speak for both of us when I say that. Yes, but I will say that being on the forefront and being able, because we have gotten a lot of love and push from a lot of places right now. We are now. very we are, grateful. Mm-hmm. We right now are getting so much more than we could have ever thought a year and some months into this. Well, actually, in eight, eight months ago, before right. we started wrestling on the indie circuit. So Right, so... Right now, it's kind of wild, but being on the forefront, because we are, I, I will recognize that we are on the front of most people's brains. When I think of uh, Mission Pro and their tag champs, that's who we are. Right. So I think, <laughs> sounding a little cocky there. <laughs> no, hey, but listen, that's, you should, you should brag about that. an incredible accomplishment. You should be able to stand on your laurels. Absolutely. Well, we hope so. We hope it, it you know, we're trying, but uh, <laughs> I will say that being on the forefront and trying really hard to stay there and put out a... Um, quality product. a quality product and try to show that at the end of the day that like we're women too and we're wrestlers as well that the mm-hmm. women's division is more than just women in shorts and bras wrestling it's more than just a bathroom break or a popcorn break it's more than that and i feel like we had uh had to learn that as well you know yeah. it took us a while in wrestling to realize that like we're more than what they say we are. Absolutely. And we have women in this business like Thunder Rosa and like Jazz and Holiday and all of these women out here that are just trying so hard to push and push and show that women are much better than what, what most people think they are. And I don't know how else to explain that. I feel like we're just, we've been given this giant platform and this huge responsibility to show what women can do and bring other women up. Um, we definitely have a far way to go. Don't get me wrong. We have so much to learn, things to do, like so much. Yeah. But at this point in time, we are able to learn those things and learn them with other women and pass down the things that we've already known. So I feel like the fact that we've even gotten the opportunity to be in the spotlight that we're in is just incredible. It's an honor, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think you should be proud of that. And again, absolutely brag as much as you can. You're double champions, <laughs> damn it. So enjoy it and love it. Um, and, you know, again, like you said, I, I can echo that as well. I think, I think you know, women's wrestling has evolved from a place of the, you know, the typical what people imagine in the old school WWE sense. And to see you both just succeeding so much is always, it's just exciting to, for me to watch. Um, I wanted to talk to you more about sort of growing up, though. I know I understand you're from Atlanta. I'm from Philadelphia, so I don't exactly have an idea about what it was like to grow up down south. Tell me a little bit more about that, because, you know, from Philly, we're, you know, we're not as bad as everyone says we are. Yes, we did throw snowballs at Santa Claus, but he deserved it. (laughs) He deserved it. So tell me more about growing up in Atlanta. Tell me more about that. Um, So we kind of grew up in the outskirts of Atlanta, kind of metro Atlanta suburb area. Um, and it, for us personally, like we kind of did live the little country life, (laughs) which is kind of funny. Uh, we ran around with bare feet. We played outside all the time, uh, rode bikes up and down the street, our entire lives. Um, we didn't get telephones until I was like 14 or 15 years old. Really? We were, yeah, yeah. we were going into high school before we had, uh, telephones. Yeah. We were not allowed to have a cell phone. Um, we didn't have cable most of our lives. Like we were told to go outside, be active, stay active, 
do that kind of stuff and then be normal human beings. Yeah, be, be kids, <laughs> you know? Don't be stuck like, to the be goddamn iPad all day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> go be a kid. Don't sit in front of the TV and watch SpongeBob all day long. Like you can go be active. You can go do that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah. And like Charlotte said, even when we did get our phones, um, we, were we still had parental softball. lock. We had parental yeah. lock on everything. We were super sheltered as a kid. Um, <laughs> but I mean, growing up in Atlanta, it's not much different. I feel like um, we don't have much here. Everybody says Atlanta's just the craziest place to go. It's really not. Um, I wouldn't go to downtown Atlanta after 6 p.m. That's just right. my recommendation. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair. I'll tell you the places to stay away from Philadelphia, too. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> downtown Atlanta after 6 p.m. is a no-go unless it's on the weekends but uh <laughs> you have a specific place you go in and you get out as quickly as you fucking can that's yes. what my mother used to tell me all yeah. the time and get I, in and get honestly, out yep it took me um I think I was 18 19 years old before I realized that one day me and my friend we were walking in downtown Atlanta in the district and uh we were walking around and some lady we were looking for henna I wanted to get henna done okay and we found the lady and the lady walks out before we can get to her store and she opens the doors and she goes, what are you two doing here? And we're like, we're looking for henna. And she goes, well, come in. And as I come in, she's like, it's almost six o'clock. You guys should not be here. Everything's shutting down. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, it's six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, it's dangerous. Y'all need to, I, I'm going to do this for you, but you guys need to leave. And I was wow. like, oh, okay, <laughs> got it. Yeah. But That's I mean, other crazy. than that, like, Atlanta, like Charlotte said, we grew up very country. Mm-hmm. Um, Stone Mountain was our Love stuff, Stone man. We wow. we stayed at Stone Mountain all the time. Um, we grew up in um, the mountains. We have an old homestead up in the mountains um, for almost 100 years now, probably over 100 years now. Um, just acres and acres of land. Um, what else? We just went to <laughs> we just went to a family reunion um, two weeks ago. And I spent the entire family reunion for like six hours fishing. That's it. Wow. That's all I did was fish the entire <laughs> yeah. time. That sounds <laughs> awesome though. The, yeah, I drove all the kids around on like the go-karts and the the four-wheelers and the dirt bikes and stuff <laughs> like that. We all had fun. Um, but yeah, we do have that side of us. I don't think a lot of people know that about us, but we do enjoy fishing and getting dirty. We're very tomboy-esque. And I'm more girly than Robin is. Uh, which is why I have the patience for the kid. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, we do have that tomboy side and we do have that country side of us that a lot of people don't know because nobody really asks about that. Well, see, and for me, I'm always curious about that because I grew up a latchkey kid. So my parents would, you know, they were both working. They were like, here, you guys just figure it the hell out. And, you know, so we were just we sat at home and mm-hmm. because we were delinquents, we couldn't really do much. You know, we were we'd get into trouble somewhere. Um, but I always, I always like to, 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 I'm always curious about other people's lives and like their, who they are as individuals. But I love the idea of you two growing up in that life and that world, just being, feeling like you were really free as a kid. Tell me, tell me more about, I know you mentioned Stone Mountain and I kind of wanted to dig a little bit more into that. What's so special about Stone Mountain to you? Is it the, is it something specific? Uh, well, yes, actually. <laughs> um, there is a rock. A lot of people don't know about this rock. If you go to uh, Stone Mountain, you think, you know, the one giant rock with the Stone Mountain. Yeah. Mountain. And then we're like, the big rock. And it's another rock. It's just not Stone Mountain. It's on the backside of Stone Mountain. You have to go over the railroad tracks, through the woods, down this little path. Basically, unless you know it's back there, you have no you're not going. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, Robin and I with our mother and our dad have, they've always taken me, my sister and my little brother, um, for picnics out there always. And then, um, our biological father passed a couple years ago Mm, and we made that that a memorial spot for him. And, um, that's, that place has always been a super special place in our heart. Um, but I like it was always a constant in our childhood, but it wasn't until a couple years ago that we really cemented that place is like, okay, like we always knew this place was special to us, but now it's mm-hmm. really special to us. That's incredible. And I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your dad. That must be, uh, that must have been very difficult for you both. Um, okay. Thank I, you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, thank I, you. Uh, 
I'm like over here like, ah, yeah, it's like okay. that's fine. No, everything's cool. We're good now. I'm, I'm not. I'm not crying. I'm fine. Everything's good. Yeah. She's like, now, I'm, I'm just like, like I'm just coping. gonna wipe it off. <laughs> Let's get back to wrestling real fast. No, I uh, listen. I um, I, I just love. I love that story. I love the idea of of being so free. I wish my childhood had been a lot more like that. Um, really, the only familiarity I have with Atlanta is hip hop. Obviously, I I consume all areas of hip hop. Um. How so? Is it is the hip hop scene as exciting as it sounds down there? Are you in? Is it is it as crazy as it sounds? Philly is kind of like Beanie Siegel, and that's pretty much it. So, so we have friends who are who have been active on the Atlanta hip hop scene. Personally, I cannot tell you much about it. Um, I, I was like say, I said, I listen. We grew up very country. country I right? To yeah. Sea chicks and country music. But on the opposite side of that, we did listen to I was gonna Biggie, say, Tupac, Charlotte, all the old 90s stuff. Charlotte's uh, main music when we were growing up was country. My main music was not. It was very old school R&B, the hip hop nice. scene, like all of that. I will say um, Atlanta isn't. I don't think most, we're qualified to speak on right. that. <laughs> I, but I also don't have much Fair experience enough. in it. I agree. But I also feel like Charlotte, we've lived in Atlanta 21 years now <laughs> hey, but co- i don't know i just get told everybody comes here for music everybody comes right. here for movies and tv so i so that happens i know everywhere. that it's a thing but i've never right. experienced it myself so i've seen it i've seen it happen but again it's not like people paint out atlanta to be this giant every everywhere you look there's right. a music video being shot there's a bo- movie being shot like, kind of like a it's mini la like it's not like that it, it's not uh, like okay. that it's very normal um you kind of have to go to the right places to find those kind of things <laughs> <laughs> so it's you don't just, just like, like drive down the streets of atlanta and see someone making a movie or right. a music oh, video. Oh, hey, like, there's ludicrous over there hey what's going right. on you know yeah <laughs> now it's just like philly yeah it's just you go to a certain block and then something's happening and then it's a whole lot of nothing everywhere else so i, 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 I can i can get into that you run into Ric Flair in some weird places. Okay. That's so, funny because yeah. like we'll be walking in like really crappy malls that Ric Flair should not be at <laughs> or an airport. And he just like, you look across the Nike store and you're like, oh, and he's Ric in his Flair. little Adidas jumpsuit. <laughs> like, you know, the red one with like the stripes down the yep. sleeve. And he's just yeah. standing there and you're like, holy crap, that's Ric Flair. And he just kind of looks at you and goes, hey. And you're like, and Whoa, you just, man. You just like, hey, what's up, man? And like, yeah. it's so easy. Like, it's you just see him on a normal day. Oh, but so you would be surprised how many people have seen Ric Flair in Atlanta, especially outside of Atlanta. Um, one of our friends saw him at a mall in Sugarloaf. I mean, in um, Lawrenceville. So, like, <laughs> it just pops that's up. Like, I would say that's like 45 minutes to an hour outside of Atlanta. Like, that's. Wow. You know, like it's you in the, like the nowhere places that he should not be. You <laughs> could see him anywhere. You have no idea. Ric Flair <laughs> in a Seven Eleven at anybody. three o'clock at night. Yeah, that's amazing. I wish we had Seven Elevens. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you don't even have you don't even have Wawa down there either, do you? I am nope. so sorry. No that is Wawa's, unfortunate. No sheets. No Seven Eleven. Well, we've oh. had a Seven Eleven in Helen. We've passed a Seven Eleven in Helen, but there's like one or two in in Georgia. There's not a lot. Not a lot. You have to hunt them down. It's like a Bucky's. We don't have those in Georgia oh, either. Yeah. You don't we have, have them. We have one, but it's like in the process of getting built. So okay. it's not ready yet. And if it's you want almost. to go to one, you have to go halfway to Florida to get it. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Hard pass. Now I'm good. Yeah. What is the, <laughs> Now I have to ask this because you brought it up. What is the weirdest place you've ever seen Ric Flair besides like the malls or anywhere where you're just like, what the, what the hell is he doing here? Um. So when I was in college back before I started wrestling, um, I... We were at a, a really small college. I think it was Piedmont College up in North Georgia. And um, Ric Flair was there. That was a weird thing. He was just watching baseball and softball. And I don't know why he was there. Because it's like four and a half hours from where we are now. Uh, which <laughs> is where Ric Flair lives around. So it's just like, to me now, looking back on it. And I didn't even know who he was. My friend knew who he was and went and took a picture with him and goes, I just met Ric Flair. <laughs> and I was like, Dad, who's Ric Flair? Because I, at that point, was not watching wrestling. I was like, Dad, who's Ric Flair? He told me. I learned the whole Ric Flair woo, all that stuff. <laughs> and um, yeah, so it, I don't know. That was the weirdest place that I had personally heard of him being and was like in the same location as him. I just yeah, didn't understand like who Ric Flair was. The significance of him. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, but after so that, funny. 
I will say this. I took uh, Can I Get Two Claps and a Ric Flair Woo onto our softball field for every season after that. That is true. <laughs> That's amazing. I did. And I got 20 girls on the field to go, woo, every <laughs> single time. It was probably honestly more than the girls because at one point, um, Charlotte quit softball. Well, couldn't really play softball anymore. I, I aged and out at playing. a certain point. I'd come oh, home okay. from college. I'd aged out. Robin's playing her very last season. Yep. And I had done it so many times at one point during a tournament, which a tournament for us will last all day long from like seven in the morning to like 12, maybe one o'clock at night. Right. It's those marathon ones, right? Yeah. So like everybody by this point, we're in the finals. Everybody at this point has played us, has heard us say it a hundred times over on the field. At the end of the night, we do it. We I can't remember if we won or lost, but we do it, and the entire field and the fans just go nuts. <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> That's incredible. I love I love random stories like that, running into people just randomly, you know, like running into John Malkovich at the airport in L.A. But um, I listened to Duke's interview and conversation with the two of you, um, and I, I have a child with a disability. Uh, my middle son is on the autism spectrum, and he – during the interview, it came up that one of your dogs is mm-hmm. autistic, which I wasn't aware of. Uh, full disclosure, I had no idea that that was a thing. And I looked it up and it's actually like it's it's a thing. I was like, wow, this is <laughs> this is crazy. Like this is I had no idea. Um, yeah, yeah. I know the challenges of of our day to day with with my son on the spectrum can be, you know, they can be hard. It's 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 a difficult thing to deal with in, in some respects and helping him and trying to calm him and different things that happen. Tell me more about having an autistic dog because I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Tell me more about, about the dog. So, uh, well, that's my baby. Her name is biscuit. Um, (laughs) she's my favorite little baby. Um, let's see. Uh, she is honestly really okay. It took her a while, uh, to get very comfortable with herself as a Mm -hmm. dog. Um, Mm -hmm. She when she like a cat yeah, for a really long time. She ended up like grooming herself a lot. She was really focused on like how she felt as a dog mm. and like her personal comfort level. Right. Um, so she constantly groomed herself. And then we finally got a dog who came in and kind of took over and like basically taught her how to be a dog. Okay. <laughs> and so um when it happened like that, she started picking up uh ideas of okay i probably shouldn't groom myself like a cat (laughs) i probably shouldn't need at things and like just tear things up just to tear things up maybe i should bark a little bit right she's she's very like i don't think she's deaf i think she has Mm. very hard at hearing and i don't think she has the best uh eyesight so she doesn't she's she's half-assed mute you know like she doesn't she doesn't bark and when she does bark it's very like low bark and in her brain she thinks she's Probably like barking and she's like, yeah <laughs> that's right. all she's that's all the sound she makes but she thinks she's tearing it up now. yeah and um wow. i mean she's just really into like repetition if she doesn't have her routine she will lose it she that's will lose it she wakes up every morning she goes to the bathroom and then she'll eat in a certain spot she'll lay down in a certain spot mm-hmm. she won't go to the bathroom um in grass like she won't poop in the grass she'll only poop on concrete or like a flat surface um where nothing can touch her she has some weird she's smart i will say she she has like her smart smart. moments i've taken her out before like she does a thing that really upsets me (laughs) she (laughs) she goes outside in the morning and when she it's too cold or it's wet or anything like that she just doesn't want to use the bathroom Mm. so i will stand out there until she uses the bathroom well she gets she clues in and she gets irritated and she'll go out into the grass pretend like she'll squat (laughs) and not pee and then come back in and i'll have to pick her up and i know this because she's really again she's special Mm -hmm. so when she pees she basically sits down in her pee so when (sighs) i know she pees all i gotta do is pick her up and wipe her and find out if she pees so i'm like (laughs) i wake every day i pick her up and make sure she peed and when she doesn't it pisses me off (laughs) you think that you're that smart (laughs) yeah you're you're freaking out smart yeah you think i know what's going on here yep i know exactly what it is yeah okay obviously you don't want to pee i'll leave you alone Maybe we'll try again in a few minutes. 
Well, I know in my research, I was I was looking at it and I found that it's it's the same thing in in some ways as, as humans. It's the repetition. It's the the uh, sensory stuff. My son is 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 big on. So he loves playing in the water. Right. Like his whole thing, like when he gets in a tub, he's in there for like an hour. Right. I'm like, dude, come mm-hmm. on, let's go. You know, doesn't wash. No, he won't put soap in his hair, but he'll sit there and play in the tub, right? But if you give him a cup, like, you know, if I gave him his bottle or, you know, like his his sippy cup or whatever, and there was water on the outside, he won't touch it. I need to clean it off. It has to be completely dry. So I think that's part of the sensory thing. But it's fascinating. Like I said, I had, I had no idea that this was a thing. And, and, and and, so tell me more about like, um, as far as any other additional struggles with the dog, have you found that it's become like, has, has Biscuit kind of come into him, come into herself now at this point? Oh yeah. She had like, so I would say she's about four or five years old now. Now she's super small. So that's not super, like, she's not super old in her little baby ears, but it's pretty old in a dog years. You know what I'm saying? I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, that's four or five years. If she was any bigger, she'd be old, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But because she's so small, um, it's taken her a while, but in her like older years, she has gotten way more feisty. She used to be extremely chill. Um, just lay in your lap, love on you, not make any noise. Now she's quick. Wow. You piss her off. She is quick to jump on you. But we also rescued <laughs> a, a very large pit bull. Oh, okay. I think she's the smallest dog in the house. Uh, <laughs> she's so big. She thinks she's biscuit size. Yeah, oh, that's funny. And she's more scared of biscuit than biscuit is of her. And at first it was the opposite way around. And she got tired of Sabrina coming to eat her food all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's when like biscuit was like, okay, look. I'm going to eat my food and you're going to leave me alone. Yep. And that's when Biscuit really started standing up for herself again. Because we hadn't this, seen that out of her right. until we got Sabrina. And, all, and it's not anything like vicious. It's just like, hey, man, never, get away from my food. I was going to say, if, if it was vicious, me and Biscuit would have to have that caught, like that whole come to Jesus meeting. <laughs> Listen, I, we're going to talk you, about this I right like now. I can talk to my dog. <laughs> I feel like I talk to her. She understands what I'm saying. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, we would have that come to Jesus meeting if it was like a very uh, vicious thing, but she only does it when someone messes with her first, which mm. she never was that way. She's never been that way. She's always been very sweet and like, just I'll let you guys all just walk all over me, you know, like she's yep. never, she's never been an aggressive dog towards anything, even when another dog shows her aggression. But all of a sudden something clicked in the last two or three years and she has just eaten them up <laughs> and you could just like it's just wild to me that my little baby dog all of a sudden went from the sweet thing to I'll bite your head off if you mess with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, but um, I mean, really, she uh, as she's gotten older, and again, we have four other dogs. Right. As she's gotten older, she um has grown into herself, and there's not a lot of issues. Um, she doesn't listen very well anymore as she has grown up. I don't know if that's because she's losing her hearing or if she just, the other dogs are rubbing off on her or what. But um, the one thing that she has an issue with right now is she, she is constantly getting into something and she's (laughs) never done that. She's constantly trying to chew something up, climb on the table. Like the other day I had to chase her off from my tea. We have tea and we drink a lot of tea in our house. So sweet tea. Yes. Sweet it tea. is the South. <laughs> I was going to say, you so, have to make sure you have it. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. We so do we that here in the North too. So, yeah. <laughs> and like all of our, all of our like tables and stuff in the living room are very low to the ground. Okay. So she can get up on the table and just drink the tea. And the other day I turned around and she's face down in my tea, just drinking <laughs> the tea. And I look at her and I'm like, biscuit. Get off the table. Stop drinking my tea. I go get another glass. Not even 20 minutes later, she's in my tea again. (laughs) And I'm like, girl, did you not understand? No was no. Did you hear (laughs) me? Yeah. Right. I'm like, all of a sudden, you don't listen. What is going on? (laughs) Well, actually, well, you know what? It's not it's not that she didn't listen. It's selective listening. So she probably heard you (laughs) just like my kids. Yeah. Let's say, hey, hey, did you I've literally been sitting here talking to you. Oh, dad, you don't have to yell. Dude, I've been, I've been telling you this. You I've been this talking time. to you. Yeah. Like, come it's my on, fifth man. time telling you this. <laughs> hey, we have the same conversations with our dad, too. So oh, I man. It. Yeah, I'm sure my dad had the same conversations with me. He's like, dude, what the oh, hell yeah. are you doing? You know, get your head out of your ass. Yeah, no, but that's, like I said, I, I was I was um, really fascinated by that. And I had, like I said, I had no idea. And I'm, I, I, uh, I'm glad to hear that Biscuit is now finally coming into her own, um, except for the tea, of course. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to talk more about the event that's coming up uh, on, is 
is it uh, the 20th, right? The 20th of yes. November. Um, Mission weekend. Pro Wrestling, Sea to uh, Shining Sea. Um, so my question is, uh, will you be defending the tag team championships? And I, I can already guarantee that you're going to walk out with them, correct? Is that is that the, yes. the plan? Oh, right? yeah. Okay. You yeah. already Good. got it right. It's Perfect. our first title defense for Mission Pro. I was going to say, how are you going to see us at a Mission Pro event without our titles and not defending them? Not going to happen. Not yeah. ever going to happen. Never going to happen. <laughs> and we'll always, always retain them. So Absolutely. I feel like this question is not even a... It's not even a question. It's not even a question. It's more of a statement. Come out and watch the Renegade <laughs> Twins kick kick someone's ass for the there tag team go. titles, Thank and then you'll you. be you'll be fine. That's all we're gonna do. That's all we're gonna do. We're just making statements. That's what we do here on Foundation Radio is statements. Uh, so it's Saturday. This Saturday coming up, it's at the Southern Star Brewing Company in Conroe, Texas. Um, tickets are available right now. You can go and, and check it out. I highly recommend that. I was gonna ask you about this ice cream debacle that Duke brought up. Um, what was it? Bubble gum ice cream? Now? Yeah. So What's I work. I um I actually just quit my shoot job, nice. but I worked in a that's so nice. Yeah, <laughs> hey, that's awesome. That's great though. I worked as a manager um of this small like family run ice cream shop. Okay. Called the Frosty Caboose. Okay. Um, and it literally is a train caboose in a parking lot that we sell ice cream out of. And he found that out at the beginning of our thing, and uh he was asking me, he was like, "So what's your favorite kind of ice cream?" I didn't know you worked at an ice cream shop. And I told him mine out of my ice cream shop. And because I've worked there for so long, I cannot eat any other kind of ice cream. Like it's literally only this one brand of ice cream that they only sell at this one place. So I only eat it there. So I told him my my two favorites, green tea and black cherry. Robin tells hers, which is espresso chip and raspberry chip. Yeah. But they're both from just my ice cream shop. I won't eat them from other places. And he goes, we're like, what's yours? And he goes, bubble gum. And I was like, no. That I is egregious. Egregious. I, I looked at him and I said, so before we even get into this conversation, how on earth are you going to tell me that your favorite type of ice cream is bubblegum ice cream? Who even, I don't even like bubblegum flavored, like gum. No, I don't like bubblegum no. flavored gum. So unless, like, it's, unless it's yeah. Hubba Bubba wrapped up in a little tiny thing, I don't want right. no bubblegum flavored anything. And the only reason I'm cool with Hubba Bubba is because it lasts for about 10 seconds and the flavor's gone. <laughs> right. It's like the zebra stripe. Remember that that shit from back in the day? It's like, oh, great. Yeah, I get 30 seconds shit, of excitement dude. here. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, listen, this is coming from a guy who doesn't understand a Philly cheesesteak, who says it's the most disgusting thing in the entire world. I have had I like ask hours. About those. What's that? I was going to ask how you felt about those. Philly cheesesteaks are great. Like, you know, I, I don't eat them as much. Like everybody just thinks we live off of them in water ice and it's not, you know, I mean, it, it's just a stereotype. But um, if you're going to come to Philadelphia, don't go to like Gino's or Pat's. Those we are really, both of them. <laughs> I mean, it's like if you're from out of town, you should probably just experience it. And then you're going to then you're going to go to like a deli somewhere or you're going to go to like Tony Luke's. And then you'll be super disappointed that you didn't find out about that place first because it's way better. Um, Gino's mm-hmm. is like... How can I compare Geno's to Pat's? Geno's made me feel like I had COVID. Pat's yes, Geno's is the Donald Trump of cheesesteak places. That is exactly what Geno's takes is. And oh. it's loud and brash and obnoxious and it tastes like shit. That's so the, it's the yes. So that's a great really, explanation. I was so upset because I looked at Charlotte. We went to Geno's and we took a bite. And I said, Charlotte, I'm not eating this. I'm so pissed. <laughs> so we went to yep. Pat's. Yep. And it was slightly better. And then mm-hmm. I looked at Charlotte and I said, I will never eat another Philly in Philly ever. The ones in Atlanta are 10 times better than these Phillies. <laughs> that's the thing. People come here. They're, they come from all over and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to Gino's. We're going to go to Pets. We're going to do fucking great. I'm no. like, this is dog. This is crap. Don't go no, here. No. I can tell you. My, I, I can literally. send anyone to Gino's or Pets. <laughs> I will tell you that there's a place up here. I live in, in Chester County. I live right outside of Westchester in a little place called Downingtown. And there is a pizza shop that's here called Lily's Pizza. They're right on the corner of Thorndale right before you hit Coatesville they have their cheesesteaks are absolutely incredible and I will take I will go out of my way to get a Lily's <laughs> cheesesteak before I ever step foot anywhere near freaking Gino's again that is I yeah. you know what I I'm glad that I said that out loud and it's recorded now because it really is the Donald <laughs> Trump of cheesesteaks like it's so it's crazy but but no, if you I had mean, to pick between the two is it Gino's or Pat's Pat's definitely Pat's yeah, oh, I was going to say, it's yeah. got to be Pat's. If it's, anyone ever yeah. tells me Geno's, I'm going to tell them that they were raised by the most tasteless people mm-hmm. I have ever met. Yeah. I felt so bad. They were, yeah. We were with Tootie Lynn and Killa Kate, 
Okay. And neither, I think Killa Kate had had a Philly cheesesteak before, but Tootie Lynn had never had a Philly cheesesteak before. And me and Robin were so shocked because that's something that like you can get from a wing place down here, like right. wings and Phillies. And I was like, you've never had one. She was like, no, we took her to Gino's. Oh no. She got one from Gino's and she oh. ate the entire thing. Ate the whole thing and said it was good. And I was sitting there and I was like, oh, Tootie, no. But no. you know what really upset me about Gino's What's was that? that we went to Gino's and we bought a very simple, like it was just provolone and mushrooms. Right. right. Essentially all it was. And so I was expecting because we saw like this counter, but we had yet to go look at the counter. So I was oh, expecting yeah. like the entire fixings, which normally on our stuff, it's onions bell peppers dijon mustard mayo uh right like all of the stuff and i go over there there's peppers that Cherry aren't pickles peppers. hold on but they're not yeah. even pickled peppers they're just sitting in pickled juice yes it's disgusting and then and then yellow mustard and ketchup were that their thing Pardon my French, but yellow mustard on a cheesesteak is a fucking sacrilege. Okay, thank, thank you very much. You. Throw it in the goddamn garbage. Throw it thank away. You throw I was it away. Ketchup too. Why would you ever Why would put you... ketchup on a freaking Philly? The audacity! <laughs> like, and the other thing that pisses me off too, because I lived in Pittsburgh for a little bit as well. We just came back because, um, like I said, my wife's pregnant. We moved back to be closer to family. In Pittsburgh, the first thing I'm like, all right, I'm gonna check this place out. These are the same people that put French fries on salads. Okay, they put green peppers on cheesesteaks and called it a Philly cheesesteak. I was like, the audacity of this oh, city I to don't disrespect like my peppers, food. So keep that away no, from me. No, I would immediately garbage. been like. So here in Atlanta, here in Atlanta, most of the time our Phillies consist of steak, Swiss cheese, onions, uh, green peppers, mushrooms, mushrooms, and provolone cheese, cheese, Swiss cheese, um, honey or uh, Dijon mustard, mayo, and maybe some like uh, like a uh, pepperoni. Okay. Um, But that's it. Right. And. I would rather prefer all of that except for the pepperoncinis and the bell peppers. Yeah. This is only me though. I don't know how Charlotte feels about this, but I feel like when you cook pep uh bell peppers with something, yeah. it ruins everything mm-hmm. because it yes. tastes just like bell peppers. It just tastes just like you're eating bell peppers the with a taste, different texture. The taste overpowers everything and then they get like nasty and mushy and it's just like it's a, there's a so the best way to do it the next time you come to Philly, the next time you're here and we'll we'll all go and I'll yes. walk you through <laughs> I'll walk you through because there's a specific way you have to do it. And if you don't do it right, you're going to get your ass chewed out by these people, right? You go right up to the counter and you either say you, 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 all you have to say is like, if it's a, if you wanted um, a cheesesteak with provolone and fried onions, all you have to say at the window, I want a cheesesteak provolone wit. And then they know exactly what you're talking about. So it's either whiz with or whiz without or whatever cheese you want. And then you go down to everything else is ordered at the other uh, at the other end, like French fries, drinks. You have one window to get your steaks and then the other window to get your stuff. And it's like a conga line that you have to go through. And most people you, you like you can almost tell right away the people who are from out of town who come and they're like, oh, yes, I'd like oh. this. And they have the long orders and shit. And these guys are fucking pissed because they're like, come on, we got like 100 people here. Right. But no, I mean, it's like if you if you come back to Philadelphia, just. Don't ever go there. It's just not good. And Duke base, I think Duke bases his entire perception of the cheesesteak on the Donald Trump of cheesesteaks, which is just awful. So That's I have so to school sad. him. Don't and it that, is. Duke. Duke, listen, man, I, I love you, Duke. And I think you're a wonderful guy. But I think you're really misguided on this uh, this silly <laughs> cheesesteak thing. Uh, I and think if you come. Ice cream choice, oh, my God, dude, throw that shit with bubblegum ice cream. I am questioning this choice, sir. I we're gonna have to have a conversation about this offline. Let's but just, yes. let's just all agree that if Duke ever asks us to go out to dinner, we he doesn't no. he doesn't get to choose the dinner place. He doesn't get to choose. That is fair. We will take him <laughs> where to go, and and not, none of that shit's gonna be on the menu anywhere, Duke. Right. I am I am calling bullshit on the entire operation, sir. <laughs> Thank you very much. I want to thank you both so much for coming on. This has been an incredible Aww. conversation. I really have enjoyed this. Um, tell everybody where they can find you on social media and where they can follow the Renegade Twins. This is the worst question <laughs> out of all the questions we ever get asked like on these podcasts. It's where can you guys find us? That's always the worst question for us because we change our handles so often <laughs> or have recently that I can't ever remember it. Um, my Instagram... Uh, let's start with the Renegade Twins stuff first. There you go. <laughs> so the Renegade Twins pages on Instagram is renegade.twins. 
Sorry, I got a list. I got some dental work done today. I don't normally have a list. (laughs) That's all right. Um, And then our Twitter is renegade underscore twins. I'm going to go with my Twitter and everything first because I know you're going to struggle with that. I'm (laughs) going to let you go ahead and look up your Instagram and your Twitter. My Twitter (laughs) is going to be w18 underscore Robin. Um, And then my Instagram is robin.renegade. My Twitter <laughs> is charrenegade underscore one. And my Instagram is charlotte.renegade. If you don't know how to spell Charlotte, it's C-H-A-R-L-E-T-T-E. With the list. With the list. No, my list. I got some work done today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the doctor said if I my front tooth had been hit one more time, it was going to fall out of my face. Mm. <laughs> so... I made sure today I was not going to do that. And they basically put a cast on my teeth on the backside to hold them really? together. Yeah. And so I have this large you piece of plastic. Can you show me? <laughs> I'd like to see that. that. Let's take a look. Yeah. <laughs> after I will. Yeah. But there's a very large piece of plastic on the back side of my front teeth. So I have a little bit of a little bit of a list. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying very hard not to have one, but it's pretty hard. <laughs> I had to have a, just as a funny side story. I had to have emergency dental work done. I had like a cavity up here and mm-hmm. I had an interview that afternoon and I had to cancel because my like the whole side of my face was just numb. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to power through it. I'm going to do this interview. My wife was like, you sound like a freaking idiot. Just cancel it right now. Earlier. You know, <laughs> it's like there's no yeah, way I'm doing this. Okay. Yeah, no way. I will say that the numbing feeling. I love that feeling. When I yes. go to the doctor. Thank you. I'm, doctor, I'm not the only one, right? I'm not, I'm no, not the weird one. Okay. I love, okay. I love like messing with my face. <laughs> I will say today my lips felt unusually soft. I was like touching them, but I couldn't feel it. So it felt like a stress ball, essentially. Oh, that's funny. That she is sent hilarious. me a video of herself today just messing with her I was lips. Like, She's this? like, they don't feel like anything. <laughs> I can't feel my face right now. This feels so good. Exactly. Yeah. I was hoping like all the anesthetic didn't wear off until about an hour ago. So I was like praying to God by the time we got to you, I was going to be able to smile like a normal person. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. I appreciate you seeing me today. Like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm, just, all right. I'm just sitting here like this the whole time. <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been great to get to know you both. I'm very excited to see what's next for both of you. Robin and Charlotte, thank you so much for joining me today on Foundation Radio, and I look forward to having you both on again. Well, thank, thank you, you so much, for Adam. Having us. Yes. <laughs> We've thank had a great time. So thank you. <laughs> Foundation Radio is hosted, recorded, and executive produced by Adam Barnard. The show is also produced by Sam Kreps. Special thanks to Greg Mead, Joe Keen, Jeff Quinn, and Dr. Ruth Almy. Our intro and outro music is produced by Dumb Ugly. Find this episode and our full archive at foundationradio.net. Follow us on Instagram at foundation underscore radio. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. This has been a Foundation Radio production. Butts Carlton, proprietor. Proprietor.